0: Hello and welcome to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. This is a special episode celebrating the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Your regular hosts are Z.B. Wagman and Michael Santiago, and special thanks to them for keeping this podcast going and doing all of these wonderful interviews. Now I'm going to interview our interviewers and ask them what are they most excited about publishing and what do they love to read? Welcome, Zach and Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for being here on this lovely, lovely Zoom afternoon. Well, I'd like to ask you both, Zach and Mike, can you think of your favorite author? Can you think of a favorite book or a genre you're most interested in?
1: Yeah. um, So I grew up on Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Those are like the foundational authors of my childhood. Especially you throw in a little mix of like Shakespeare in there and that's like my childhood in a package and I still find myself reading a lot in the kind of genre of them like certainly generally fantasy but um, Neil Gaiman's urban fantasy vibe is very much like the vibe that I love. That being said, I don't actually read a lot in that genre. I'm sure um, many of our writers and listeners know a lot more in that genre than I do. Usually when I am browsing the bookshelves, I find myself taking a smattering from everything, right? I'm taking a little bit from general fiction. I'm a little bit of mysteries, a little bit of fantasy and sci-fi, but I'm not diving too deep into any one genre
0: there's always someone who knows more than us but we can still say (laughs) we like it we enjoy it and we do know our stuff but yeah
1: there's always someone
0: who knows more okay so fantasy and you like uh many different genres and if you like the kind of urban fantasy of neil gaiman do you also like books that try to blend many genres
1: Yes. So that okay. is my favorite thing is when you've got mm. that mix of genre, especially in an unexpected way. An author I've picked up recently who does this really well is Sarah Gailey. She wrote Magic for Liars. That was her first debut novel. And that was like Harry Potter murder mystery for adults. Mm. Um, she just came out with a book called The Echo Wife, which is it is like like a domestic story um, mm. mixed with the hard sci-fi of cloning right um so every single thing she did she did a western like a post-apocalyptic western lesbian story everything she does is very different and a very weird and interesting mix of genres
0: she sounds incredible That's sarah gailey yes is that right okay that sounds excellent i want to come back in a moment to mixing genres And potential future ideas for deep overstock we should consider mixing some of these genres um but first i want to ask mike what genres are you most interested in kind of generally and do you have any favorite authors um
2: i would say my venture into the literary world was a little bit unorthodox i i didn't necessarily grow up with some of the stories and authors that i have since kind of grown accustomed to or grown into Mm. until probably my mid to late 20s so to answer that question fairly, you know, growing up, I read a lot of Doctor Seuss, nice. um, a lot of Marvel care Marvel comic books. But really, what got me into the whole writing element of my life was was film, and from there came about that. But to uh, to answer that question, I would say now I've grown more of an appreciation for Lovecraft. So I've been pouring through a lot Ooh. of the Lovecraft, Lovecraftian tales, um, Wells. So like right now, I'm, I'm going through the Invisible Man and the Time Machine. So so yeah, those are kind of the, uh, the as far as genres go, it, it's odd because I find myself, even through Deep Overstock, I found myself kind of evolving to what sort of genres I might want to venture into. So mm-hmm. since we've done the Western issue, I've since been finding myself more engaged with Western pieces. And I have no, uh, no authors to kind of go off of other than... Really, just the work that uh, that our contributors have had submitted has just been mm. really great. So I would say a lot of the a lot of the reading I've done over over the course of the year has been a lot of the deep Overstock catalog. But yeah, as far as genres, I appreciate western sci-fi fantasy, a good mystery, a thriller. So i'm I'm really mm-hmm. flexible in terms of it.
0: This is very interesting. We have uh, recently lots of people are working with old Lovecraft stories blending genres we have zach looking at different blended genres and mike maybe you should pick up the sarah gailey post-apocalypse lesbian western that could be right (laughs) up your alley more westerns my friend
1: i'm actually Um, reading one of her like novellas right now which hmm. is a more western theme but um based it's called river of teeth and it's based in an oh. alternate alternate reality where and this this is based on a true uh true historical historical document where people had proposed to bring hippos into like the louisiana bio bio and start to farm hippos and hmm. that proposal didn't go anywhere but this is the like what if that happened and it's set in the like western theme it's fantastic like so so hippo rustling I mean, yeah, like it's hippo cowboys instead of cowboys.
0: Oh, man. Hippo cowboys. Sounds very much like hippocampus. This is this is an interesting alternative.
1: Yeah. Alternative alternative history.
0: history. Yeah. This is a very interesting take on alternative history. Usually that's for. Well, well, anyway, I'm sounds very funny. These hippo cowboys. It's interesting, too, to think about, Mike, your influence. You're being influenced by film. And then Zach is looking at a lot of these, like a lot of Neil Gaiman's work has been turned into film.
1: Well, so I actually, I find it really interesting that Mike, you began in film because when I first really started writing and took writing seriously, I was writing in film. I was writing screenplays um, and not short fiction or longer fiction. It was, it was all about that screenplay. And I was actually living in LA at the time. So like it was, I was very screenplay oriented as well yeah for me it was
2: definitely it started off with fan fiction i would just take what i've seen on screen and do the what if scenario what if i'm trying to think of a movie that impacted me when i was young the last samurai for example it, oh. that movie captivated me as a kid so i would rewrite that story and just do something simple as like uh, a race swap you know how mm. would those samurai in feudal japan react if it was
0: the last Cowboy? i don't know yeah, <laughs> cowboy.
2: It, yeah pull, pull the samurai out put a cowboy in, something like that and then it sort of evolved into screenplay writing so that that was mm. actually partially what i majored in in college was film so since then i've yeah, grown into to the element of uh just being able to write short prose if you've like obviously you've read my some of my stories and deep overstock mm. some of them kind of seem like they are like segments taken out of a film
1: Hmm.
2: like like the west some of the westerns i've done so yeah
1: yeah and i I feel like you have a very good um visual eye in your writing and i think that comes from screenplays right i mean that's that's what you're writing as a screenplay right you're writing what the camera views and so i i do see some of that i think in your writing Hmm. yeah yeah like i'm always asked by people who are just curious about writing
2: how do I come up with a story and how am I able to articulate and be as descriptive as I am in some of my pieces? And I just tell them it literally is a visual film. It has to play out. I have to see the character arcs. I have Hmm. to envision the characters, the setting. Otherwise, if I can't do that, I don't have a story. Otherwise I'm just Hmm. forcing myself to write and it'll just be this convoluted mess of it going nowhere and plot holes here and there. So it really has to play out like a, cohesive films. So I do use a lot of of my favorite films from a lot of things from Martin Scorsese to Steven Spielberg that has helped influence my writing.
0: I have a uh, selfish advice question that since you just brought up, I've been thinking about a lot. I've been trying to finish this goddamn book, working with Mickey. Mickey's very supportive. And then every time I just fuck it up more and... In this book, what I'm doing is adding more plot holes and writing more. Oh, this could happen. This could happen. Maybe it should go like this. And it breaks the film. So I think what you said is very true. If it's not playing out smoothly like a film, take a break. I think sometimes I get too many things in too many places, too many potential scenes, and then you're juggling just a bunch of garbage, you know? If you don't have a film, what do you do? And when you guys, when do you know when to stop? When you're, when you're working on this film, when is the film real kind of starting to break and go, <laughs> the little I, film tale?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, longer fiction is a very different game than short fiction, right? For short fiction, I can write a scene and like tell a story and a fairly basic plot or even a complex plot, right? But it's mm-hmm. like it's one scene usually for me. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with longer fiction, anything novel length that I've written, it feels like, like I do the first pass as if I'm writing like just a film, right? Straight through the eye, start to finish easy peasy. But then as soon as I start that editing phase, I realize that Mm -hmm. like, oh, the scene isn't that strong or, oh, I'm missing like this connection point. And that's where long fiction kind of falls apart right because like Mm -hmm. as soon as you start plugging in those scenes it's as you said the film begins to break because then you have to go back and backfill and like add details that support this current film so i i don't really have an answer i just have like kind of sympathy for you because i've definitely (laughs) been there so actually i have i used to stumble across longer fiction like you're
2: dealing with bobby but um Whereas I would have short narrative pieces be essentially a scene pulled out of a film. I structure the book length or novel length stories as an episodic TV series. Because if you think of the TV series, there's if it has to be a good show, sometimes not like an anthology series, but thinking of each chapter as it being its own self-contained story, yet pushing the overall narrative forward. So mm. um I'm not. I don't know if you think about it that way, it's easier to write in bite-sized chunks where it makes sense Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next one while keeping the plot sort of moving forward. And then when I do the editing process for the longer stuff I've written, I just, it's as simple as just going back and rereading it and then saying, okay, well, this doesn't connect to first chapter. doesn't connect to the fourth chapter. There's Mm -hmm. this character just popped out of, out of nowhere. You know, and just a matter of deleting what needs to be deleted or adding what needs to be added. I don't know if that makes any
1: sense, but that's how my mental process works. It also I also see a lot of that when I do editing. But the other thing I've found Mm. that if that isn't working for me, that I find useful is breaking it down into like story, like A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot, etc. etc. And usually that Mm. for me is driven by character, right? So I'll take my B and C characters. And I will just basically read every scene and or chapter that they're in to see if how they talk, how they act, their story is a cohesive story for them. And when I'm focusing on that, like I can, I ignore anything in those scenes that like don't relate to them. Right. Like if my main character is doing something to deal with the murder mystery or whatever, whatever it is, I I ignore my main character and I just focus on those smaller characters and those smaller plots. And sometimes that way you can break your novel into seven shorter fiction stories um, Mm. and just read it that way.
0: Uh, I want to switch gears slightly. I really appreciate that advice, but I'm thinking now for the stuff that we accept and the stuff that we read during the submission period at Deep Overstock. What do you think about as editors? Um, do you have maybe some advice for people submitting, or can you talk about what you're most thrilled by and looking forward to? For instance, I mean, we have magic is almost ending, Shakespeare is coming up. What do you want to do? in the future as editors.
1: So when we get new fiction, when we get submissions, the thing that excites me the most is basically something I wasn't expecting, right? Like with magic, I'm expecting so many stories about witches and wizards, which are going to be great, right? And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fun there, but it's the people who take the magic in a way that I never would have imagined it, right? Mm. Um, And we've had a number of submissions that i just like could not have predicted happening throughout this um throughout this process so i just it's it's those things that i'm excited for
0: mm, the unexpected the mysteries the the things added.
1: that like kind of not break the genre but like mm. bend the genre um and are not like typical genre stories
0: i'm really hoping we get a piece from ariel nothing yet but i'm really <laughs> fingers crossed mike what do you um look for when uh, when we get these pieces, what what makes you say, "Oh, yes, I like this piece"?
2: I'm kind of piggyback off of what Zach said. Like, mm. if you have a well-defined genre, you're what you're automatically going to expect, as Zach said, magic, wizards, wardrobes. Yeah, I like when an author is able to subvert my expectations. They they take this well-defined genre and are able to flip it on its head, telling an entirely new take on something. Even ordinary that I then I'll look at, for example, the structures issue of uh, reading back through that. There were there was one for one of our episodes. I forgot the author, but um that author took the space of a I believe it was a laundromat and was able oh,
0: to Sarah Kackleman. To,
2: yeah, take that space and create this narrative and and really make me think of laundromats in a different way, or just not even just that, but the the grander scope of you know every space essentially has a story to tell so i think when an author can do that that's for me what i'm looking for um and there's been a lot of good authors throughout the various issues uh that have done that i've been pretty surprised with some of the work um but i would say for authors moving forward or hoping to get a submission into deep overstock we do accept obviously things that Stick very well to the to the genre, the tropes, mm. as long mm. as they're coherent, tangible pieces. And I feel like my advice would be to stop so much world building oh, because so these much are,
0: exposition. Yeah,
2: yeah, because these are two thousand word, sometimes three thousand word pieces, and mm. it's hard to get in. Inve- you can't world build in such a short amount of time, and then get me invested mm. in the narrative. Yeah. So, um, and definitely. Uh, basic thing is just make sure it's clean when you submit it uh make sure mm. you're you know limit the redundancies in it and yeah just make sure it's an edited piece edit yourself before we edit it edited it, 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 mm-hmm.
0: edit it. <laughs> i, I would take that advice
1: <laughs> i would just um i would like to just uh, basically agree with what mike said i mean like mm. if you're don't if you're not comfortable bending the genre, don't. Just tell us a good story, right? If you want to write a story of witches and wizards, that is great. We will, we will, it will accept a ton of stories like that, I'm sure. But just tell a good story. Make it like, as Mike said, don't world build. Don't like just focus. It's it's a short piece, so focus on your characters. For focus on the like one thing that you want to do in this piece, and if that's word, world building. Great, but do it well. And also the other thing is like the shorter, the better, kind of, Mm. we are much more likely to accept you if you are telling us a good story in 2000 words or 1000 words, right? Like if it is still really good, I'm not saying like cut the good things, but cut it so that it is short and sweet. And if it is good, we will accept it. And we're much more likely to accept good short pieces than we are good long pieces.
2: Yeah, And I wanted to add on to that. Um, this is actually something I've, I think I've tried to learn through my own time writing for deep overstock starting as a contributor. So I think the first one I wrote was for nautical lore yeah, and yeah. yeah I, and I know in that, that I was trying to tell too much into a, into 2000 words. I was trying to write an entire film into 2000 words and I would say like, if you're gonna tell a story two thousand words, hmm. it's probably best to stick with one or two scenes. You can tell a lot with mm. just one or two scenes or in one or two spaces. For example, the episode where Zach and I talked about the barrel that oh, was,
0: day. Yeah.
2: yeah, that was a really good piece. It was literally just, in my mind, it was just one take. But it mm. was far more effective than some other pieces I may say, even some of the work I've done where it's just trying to tell way too much and Mm -hmm. it's shifting because if I'm reading 2000 word story, my, my mind can't like, it doesn't have enough time to visualize and process what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And then it jumps to the next one. You know, it's like trying to tell Dune in a 2000 word story, like good luck.
0: (laughs) That's a lesson that I want to really focus on in the future uh, for the, well, speaking of future, my goodness, in the future issue I wrote a piece that jumped around quite a lot, but it is, it looks tight. Like the sentences are like um, short. The exposition is not very much. And I was thinking, oh, you know, it's a really tight piece. But looking back at it, it is like seven scenes in like a thousand words. And it's very hard to sink into the scene. So although I think each sentence sounds clear, when you put them all together it does not paint a clear scene scene to scene whereas when the pieces that you just mentioned holly the barrel by holly day and i think it's a small man by sarah cackleman you know a piece that all revolves around a house and the barrel in the backyard not many scenes there's only one thing we're focusing on then sarah cackleman it all happens in a laundromat just in the course of an hour uh So those are really effective pieces. Focus and dive in.
2: Sorry. um, To even add on to that, E.T. Starman Alien Boy, I believe it was called, Mm -hmm. was also, I think it, I mean, I'm not sure if it was like two or three scenes into the narrative, but Mm. it it shifted around a little bit, but I think it was condensed enough Mm.
1: in order to tell the self-contained narrative. that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say a good place to draw inspiration for this. And I I find this as funny advice coming out of my mouth is um, to like, look at some of the poetry because poets do so much more and so much less. Hmm. Right. Like we certainly accept a good number of poet poems as well, but like poets are constantly trying to cut words and constantly trying to keep, keep their word count and their structure, like very, uh, distinct and purposeful, and so mm. I always I always enjoy looking at the poetry we get submitted, just to see I mean, real kind of masters of that like word choice at work. I do want to shout out one of my favorite poems we've mm. published, and that's uh let me see if I can say it right: "Trypophobia" by Leanna Moxley mm. in our horror issue. It is phenomenal, and by the time I get to the end like I can feel this phobia and I like it just makes my skin crawl. Do you want to read some of it? Do you have it up? I'll just read like even just like the first section because it is it is a longer poem as far as poems go. But it, mm. um, but it's still pretty, pretty limited. My throat is riddled with holes for rocks to grow in little white bits. You put your tongue in and I wonder, do you feel it? can you slip between the filled up crumbling rank red cells? It just is. So yeah. If I may
2: uh, juxtapose that piece, there was an issue in, or uh, I believe it was a poem from Jonathan van Bell, 21st year, 21st century. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really effective. I'm not, I'm not a poetry guy at all, but I can appreciate good poetry. And that was just written in such a way that it made me think about a multitude of things regarding our reality and just in a condensed little short piece like that so even when he narrated it i thought it was it was great but um i think even as fiction writers you can also learn a lot and pull a lot from those who are poets who because they are telling stories much shorter than 2000 words so mm. you know it's kind of go off of what zach was saying
0: Start looking at the poets. That's very true. That's very true. We just mentioned horror. We mentioned nautical lore earlier. And the way that Deep Overstock works is every issue is a different genre, all taken from the different Powell's rooms. So we have different colors at Powell's, then Pearl Room. We have Origin of Life, the biology section, red, nautical lore. Have there been any genres that you guys uh, liked? reading the pieces in most and contributing yourselves what have you enjoyed the most that we published
1: yeah um so I'm actually always surprised because there are some genres that I've really looked forward to and then when I get to reading I'm kind of I don't know if disappointed is the right word but like I'm just like not as excited about what comes out of it especially um if it's my own writing like there are pieces I was like oh this is gonna be so fun to write for and then kind of drew a blank. And then there are other issues that when we're planning the genres, I'm like, oh God, you want to do animals? Um, <laughs> and then we do animals and it was such a good issue and we got such great uh, such great pieces to read from and to pick from. So I'm always shocked, but certainly like like I said, animals, I loved that issue, I loved what we got. I do think to this day, horror is my all time favorite issue that we've put out. I thought the writing we got in it was amazing. I I am I'm blown away by the horror issue, the nautical lore one. It was also my first uh, first contribution. Mm-hmm. So Mike and I have oh. that in common. But I do think that's a like it was another one that when I heard that. You Guys, were doing it. I was like, really, not a galore. And then <laughs> reading the pieces, there's some really good stuff in there. I think, similarly,
0: with um structures, I didn't expect that one to be good. And we got a lot of interesting pieces about different interpretations of structures. I feel the same way about future. Last time, I was like, oh god, there's a little bit of pressure. Future seems like it's your opportunity, really, to shine. Similarly, with magic, I'm kind of dragging my feet to finish these pieces, but I expect. Uh, spoilers, but we are doing beekeeping eventually. <laughs> you know that seems like one. Like what? Yeah. Why yeah, did we where, choose beekeeping? Yeah.
1: Whereas, like, I was super excited for the mysteries issue, and then mm. like we got some good stuff in there. Don't get me wrong, but I just, uh, I guess maybe my expectations were too high, or I had like a very purposeful thought in mind of what that could end up being, and then it just, it, it just was something totally out, different.
0: Yeah that's a that's a high pressure one too the mystery
1: uh it's hard, hard to tell a mystery in 2000 words
0: <laughs> very challenging so maybe yeah we'll start looking at more strange obscure themes in the future yeah uh, yeah mike what what do you think what genres have you been most interested in westerns it sounds like
2: the the western issue i think proved to myself that i can tell a narrative
0: mm.
2: beyond the genres that I thought I could only tell narratives in. Hmm. So prior to that, I was on my own. I was writing a lot of sci-fi pieces, um, a lot of like alternate, like uh, reality fiction pieces. The, I I was able to subvert my own expectations through writing the Western. Um, But kind of looking back to the back catalog, since, you know, Zach and I had jumped on board on the fourth issue as contributors, I think had I jumped on in the very beginning, I probably would have had a blast with the space exploration as i said i've been mm-hmm. writing a lot of sci-fi over my time um but then the paranormal romance would have really thrown me off because i'm not sure like if i was would have been able to pump a, pe- a story out for that for mm-hmm. that issue but i'd say overall um i've had multiple favorites um so the western issue was definitely a great one for me um mm-hmm. future i really enjoyed i i, I tried to do Something really different for the future. I try to subvert expectations again. Um, magic, I think, is really fun. So I think the the more broader scoped uh, genres like westerns or horror, etc., are probably the best ones, rather than the very focused. As Shakespeare's mm-hmm. coming up, I'm I'm personally not looking too forward to so the writing process. For I don't even know what I'm going to come up with for that, but that's kind of mm-hmm. just like p- putting. I don't want a genre that's going to, or a, what would you call it, a subgenre that's going to put me in a corner as a writer. It could help me grow, but it's also like, oh, uh, like I got to make sure I sell a good Shakespearean piece uh, as well as beekeeping. So I don't know what I would write
1: for beekeeping. But I would say the best issues have been the ones that are just clear cut defined genres. I'm excited <laughs> about Shakespeare, as you might guess. Um, I just think there's, because everyone, has no idea like what to do. It's yeah. it's it's an author, <laughs> not a genre, right? um mm. I think we're gonna get some weird ass shit.
0: Yeah, going <laughs> get some bonkers stuff. It will be a challenge. And, has-
1: yeah, I think since since that's kind of a uh,
2: focus now, like we're going we're shifting away from the genres. I think Lovecraftian, since oh. I, I did mention earlier, really, would be a really good theme for an issue because Lovecraft does really crazy stuff, as you know.
0: Is there a? Can you describe a the perfect piece you're waiting for?
2: I think this could work well across a variety of pretty much any genre, a variety of genres. But pieces that I tend to, I know this is longer than a sentence. Sorry, pieces that I tend to get drawn to, or that, or the writer that I aspire to be, hmm. is one that makes me question the nature of anything and everything, or look at it in an entirely different way. Mm. Um, hence why I bought up the the one with the laundromat so mm-hmm. if, a, if a writer has something to say about uh, you know the nature of time itself I would really I, I would prefer versus a back to the future type of story mm-hmm. something that really makes me think and question the nature of time for example anything else really that's, that's really thought-provoking and deep you know mm-hmm. as, as if mm-hmm. a, it was a, a philosopher who became a, a fiction writer that's what i look for
0: jonathan van bell is who you're looking for <laughs> it sounds like
2: Z- Z- zenithism yeah
0: <laughs> yeah the dear 21st century he's a master sounds like of that
2: my, sounds like my soulmate then
0: zach can you think of a that's a good example mike can you think of one that you're looking forward to zach
1: so i am kind of expecting this but for the shakespeare one i really want a submission mm. in i am a pentameter i really want it I, mm. you know what if you can tell me a good story in verse i will love it so much i i kind of don't want anyone to try just because it's like so difficult to then also tell a good story but damn if you can do it i will be so impressed
0: challenge accepted my friend okay i am a here we go
1: it's rough. <laughs> like, I, I have written some things in iambic pent- pentameter, but there's no way I could write a whole story, like, narrative in it.
0: Mm. One of the editors for the New Yorker a few years ago did his uh, memoir all in iambic pentameter. <laughs> That's,
1: <laughs> That's insane. Pretty... <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's cool, <laughs> but it's crazy. It's
0: crazy. I'm planning on writing a lot of sonnets because uh, yes. I have not written a sonnet. And
1: oh, I love me a good sonnet.
0: Yeah, you know, they seem tough. They seem tough. Yeah, I'm interested in trying that.
1: It's like the only poetry form other than haikus that I feel pretty strong about.
0: I, when I think of poetry forms, I think of Ryan and his limericks. I <laughs> guess <laughs> <laughs> we'll try we'll try sonnets this time. Okay, well, thank you very much, ZB Wagman and Michael Santiago. Uh, They're the editors for Deep Overstock and looking for some new pieces, some pieces that subvert expectations or some pieces that really honor the genre. So thank you very much for coming on to the show, ZB Wagman and Michael Santiago. Thanks for having having us. We'll be back with our regular programming featuring ZB Wagman and or Michael Santiago next week. This has been the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast special episode where I interview Michael Santiago and Z.B. Wagman. Come back next month for our regular programming featuring Z.B. Wagman and Michael Santiago interviewing our Deep Overstock contributors. Our theme music is brought to you by Jazz horror, the song Take Me Higher. See you next time.